0: Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast, the com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside producer Gangster Pete, pleased to bring you another episode here on uh, the program, and today's guest, former Cardinal outfielder Andy Van Slyke with us on the program. And this uh, this, this went into his, well, first off, about five minutes of, of, mocking, of mocking me, which I think is unfortunate, and if... If Pete's a gentleman, he'll edit it out. But then we get into uh, his career uh, in, in in coming up in the Cardinal organization, uh, how he got drafted, which I didn't realize, all the details on how weird that was. Uh, the 85 Cardinals getting traded from the Cardinals in 87 and then being part of three great Pirates teams, including being in the outfield stunned. When Sid Bream slid across home plate to win the 1992 NLCS after uh, Andy had told Barry Bonds to move up and Barry Bonds uh, politely, uh, as Andy said, rotated to him and flipped him off right before the base hit. Uh, And then also, of course, uh, the uh, first base coaching gig he had with the 2006 Tigers and, and the Cardinals defeating the Tigers in the 2006 World Series. Plus, What's going on with the 2018 Cardinals? And a gentleman he said he is friendly with in Mike Matheny. So all of that is covered in today's edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly is his name. Sponsoring our studios is what he has been doing since we started this about a year ago, and we're very, very grateful to him for his support. It's very easy for me to talk about Ryan because I've gotten to know him really well since he started sponsoring the Ryan Kelly Morning After, uh, but then also because I know that the way he operates is going to save our audience money. If you're wanting to buy a house or if you're looking to refinance, it's really simple go to the home loan it's all you need to know go to the home loan and then you're gonna when you go there here why don't I do this for you here I'm going to go to it right now that's what I'm going to do you're gonna hear me typing That's because I really am typing and I'm going to the home loan oh look here is the home loan and when you go to the home loan You have two little tabs you can click on, refinance or purchase, and away you go. And all you got to do is type in your name and your email address and your phone number, and the next thing you know, the process has begun. And there's a reason why Ryan's business continues to grow. It's because he takes great care of his customers. His team is really good, and it's a company that you want to do business with. And you might think, well, you know, this is kind of my payment. It's fine. Well, it could be much better. Check it out at the home loan Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios. So Andy Van Slyke came into the home loan expert.com studios. Uh, he is somebody who I have known for a while. We played golf, I think in 2003 actually. And so weird, we played at gateway and I remember playing and it was the, it was, we were playing while the Cardinals and Cubs were playing this like big five or six game series. There were a few double headers in it. Um, in 2003, the Esteban Yan, Pedro Borbone, magical years, um, and I remember we were getting updates, however you would get updates in 2003, because it's not like we had iPhones. And um, and since then, you know, I hadn't seen him for a while, and now we both work out at the same gym. But if you've seen the picture associated with this podcast, Andy's 57, and he is built like a brick shithouse. As a matter of fact, as you will hear him say, uh, he he's now uh, one of the spokespeople for Nugenics. You've seen Frank Thomas do in the spots. Now... It's just you know I I'm over there and I'm I'm doing my thing and you know I'll take up a, a two minutes in between sets and if Andy wants to get on the machine where I'm sitting there I mean I get I get lit up like I'm a rookie in a clubhouse it's a bad thing so wherever Andy is I move to the other side of the gym because I don't want to get my balls hazed off but that's what's going this guy's this guy at fifty seven is in better shape than, than a lot of people, uh, well, most people, period, but even m- most people who are working out in their 20s. Uh, so we certainly talked about that, which led to him mocking me. It's unfortunate, but that's where we start things off with our guest this week, who is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to present to you former Cardinal outfielder Andy Van Slyke on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeloneExpert.com studios. Andy, thank you so much for coming into the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I know you've been looking forward to this for a while now. I've lost sleep over this. Have you really potential, potential interview? Yes or <laughs> now here 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 is something that the audience does not know. I would describe us as workout friends. Is that fair? Well, that would be true if I would see you in the gym more often. Now that's un, that's an unfortunate comment well, within the first be, twenty seconds. Well, it's only
1: because our time
0: the times that we work. We work out, don't always mesh. That's exactly right. I'm entertaining at least 10, 20 people on the radio from 7 to 10. Is it that many? There, it's up. We went up. We went up from 8. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> There's a buzz about it in town. And then I get over there, and you came over to me last week, and I was in the process of doing what I would describe as hardcore abdominal work. And you said, and you stopped me, and I thought, oh God, this is going to be so condescending. I can't imagine what you're about to say, and you said, "No, it's not going to be condescending." And you know what? It wasn't I was, condescending. It was, I was trying to encourage you. You were, and then you showed me what you do for ab workouts. And you're 57 years old, correct? Correct. There'll be 58 in December. And you start doing something with the—I don't even know what you call, call it—the wheel, it's like the thing wheel. with the handles. All right. And you're like <laughs> lying parallel, without your knees touching the ground, and just holding it. And I and I then tried to do it, and I've still tried to do it since then. And there is no possible way at this moment that I can do that. It is a phenomenon. It's brutal. It, it's not, it doesn't even hurt because I can't do it well, at this moment. Well, there's building blocks
1: in, in all of life. It, you know, You learn your ABCs first, and then you learn cat, dog, and then I've never gotten beyond there. But my point <laughs> being is there's building blocks in all of life, and so the body has to have its foundation built right before you put the roof on. When you get to the point where I am, and I've been serious about, you know m- m- weightlifting and training my body the last 5 or 6 years I wasn't there when I first started so oh so this has only been going on 5 or 6 years well i mean if you saw if you saw pictures of me when i turned 50 versus
0: now there's a there's a dramatic difference, absolutely. Yeah, but I remember seeing you. We used to work out at Wellbridge, right? We right. Used to see at Wellbridge and Clayton, right. but it, yeah, at that time and that was like twelve years ago. Well,
1: right. that was longer than that. But my point being is, when I got done playing, I went right into golf. I mean, I, I started playing. We golf. We played golf. Yes, we did. And <clears throat> what I what I wanted to do was become a scratch golfer. And <clears throat> I never played golf growing up. I didn't play very few times when I was uh, had my career in baseball. So when I got done playing, I was like a 15 handicap, and my my goal was to become a scratch golfer. And so I would practice and practice and practice and play, practice, 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 and play. Got a few lessons. Uh, But about five years later, I became a scratch golfer. Did you really? You got to scratch. Yeah. So um, during that time period, I didn't concentrate on anything as far as cardio workouts or weightlifting of any kind. And then they continue to play <clears throat> some tournament golf, celebrity golf uh, tournaments in my own uh, um, country club. Switched country clubs and went to Old Hickory, challenging golf course. Sir. Very, yeah, very, very tough. You, and, the, and the good thing about it was, I mean, St. Albans is a beautiful, <clears throat> beautiful golf course. Much, I mean, aesthetically, the holes are better. But Old Hickory is a harder golf course. Mm-hmm. You have to control your ball. At a higher rate than you do at St. Albans, and so when I switched, it actually made me a better player. Greens mm-hmm. were smaller, fairways were or Pete narrower. died Target Golf. PB died Junior, mm-hmm. and he tried to reinvent the wheel when it comes to designing golf courses. It was it was uh, it, it was silly. There's there's elephants missing and clown's <laughs> mouth missing, but I mean that's how bad it was. And they made a lot of changes out there, made the golf course a little bit easier. And a more uh, a more fair golf course. It was totally unfair. The first uh, got the five, name five, old trickery, as I recall. Yeah, it, it was it was terrible. But they, they made the improvements. Uh, the golf course became more uh, friendly for the for the amateur players, and consequently, um, when they did that. The golf course is is now flourishing because there's nothing worse than an amateur golfer go out in there losing two dozen balls yeah. and shooting 150. Yeah,
0: that's no fun. That's no, no, it's fun. Just, it's
1: it's miserable. So are you st- are you still playing? I don't play hardly at all anymore. And why is that? I don't know. I've kind of you know I've kind of lost my desire. Um, you got to I, scratch. Did you ever get to plus? Yeah, one summer. Yes. And what were you plus one? Plus, plus one point, whatever. But mm-hmm. my point being is that I, I the reason why I lost my desire. Is because practicing was actually um, something I enjoyed more than playing. Yeah, I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed practicing and trying to. The one thing about golf is <clears throat> the hardest thing to me in golf is repeating good shots. And the only way you can repeat good shots is you have to practice. I mean, you, you could go out on a on a par three with Tiger Woods, and and hit a five wood, you know, at two hundred ten yards and knock it three feet. But you're going to do that one out of 50 shots. He's going to do that, you know, 7 out of 10 times. Well, not 7 out of 10 times. But my point being, he's going to hit the green probably 8 out of 10 times. You're going to miss the green, you know, 45 out of 50 times. But that one shot is what keeps you going back. Uh-huh. But That wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to be able to repeat shots. And so when I practiced, uh, I, was, I got more consistent in my ball striking. But then as age and some of these older injuries have caught up to me,
0: I just can't practice like I used to. Yeah, so that's
1: the frustrating part.
0: When you got done playing, was the goal to do anything more than, than, than become a scratch where you're like, yeah, oh, maybe I can get on like the no, no, championship? No, I, there's no, no. Realistically,
1: there's no chance that you can compete with with a professional golfer. Even uh, in your – these guys have played their whole life. You know These, these guys are in the, the second part of their career. And the worst, worst golfer on the senior tour, when I was playing my best, was still better
0: than me. Yeah. Mulder, I had Mulder on the show. Have you ever played with him by chance? I have not, but I have seen him play. Very good player. Very good player. And but I,
1: he would have no chance on the senior tour. And he said that.
0: And he said, he goes, I said, Do you ever, you know, because I think he's like right around my age, 41, 42, and yeah. he said, I said, do you have any interest in like trying to get on the Champions Tour? He goes, I play with Pat Perez and uh, Ches Reevy out in in Scottsdale where right. he lives, and he goes, they shoot 66-67 and you don't even realize they did it because it's so effortless. He goes, it's like my comparison to people is it's like an A ball player coming up to the big leagues, and maybe one times he'll get a hit, sure, but just because he's a professional ball player doesn't mean he's a big league ball player. And right. even though I'm a good golfer, I'm in no way, in any shape like no, these it's guys. Just, it's just it's you know these guys uh, they live in the penthouse you know we, we live we... <laughs> but you're also working out so i would imagine your flexibility is reduced by the fact that well that's why built i like didn't that's why, well right well now. that's
1: why i didn't you know that's why I don't play as much as I used to. because so you go, you, I, I
0: used to be all into poker, and then I got back into golf after not playing golf for 12 years. It's less years. expensive, by the way. Yes, well, it depends. I was a wonderful poker player, and I know you followed my career closely. I did. And we'll certainly get into that. But <laughs> Would you like me to sponsor the next World uh, yes! Series of Poker? immediately. Okay. I will stop doing right, radio, but, which you might be interested uh, you know, in offering.
1: I'll, I'll put the 50 grand in, and if you win, I get half.
0: Done. Okay. You got me off the radio, just like that. <laughs> That's been one of your goals, I'm sure. But what I was it's, saying is... It actually, I, it's everybody's goal. <laughs> <laughs> I have an obsessive personality, so I'm like, I can't be playing golf and poker, so I just moved to poker. So I'm asking you, is like, I'm all in on golf, ah, now I've done what I want to do with golf, so now i got to find something else. Was sure. that what was going on? Uh, that was part of it. Yeah? Yeah, that was part of it. I mean, but, if, you know,
1: you get this great, okay, now what? It's like, what do I do with this? Except in...
0: Then, ship, ship gambling, Nassau's out at old Hickory. <laughs> no, but I, you know,
1: the, the, you know, I won the club championship. Did you, you know, as uh 15 and under and I won the cl- club championship 15 over. So it's okay. That's, that was my, uh,
0: that was my major. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Oh, congratulations. So can I, can I talk about what you're doing now with, uh, a new sponsor or is this, is this still classified? It's not classified. It'll
1: be, it's going to be, uh, put out on the, uh. And social media. It's pretty impressive. Well, it's uh, it's something that I didn't necessarily foresee or have a goal to. But last winter, my, my son, AJ, who is a uh, is produces podcasts, by the way. Oh, does he really? Yeah, he's got four guys right now. And he also does financial work for a guy out of New York. But, uh, you know, he writes all the code, gets all the guests, and produces all the shows. But, Look at this guy. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, he, uh, he was sitting on the couch with my wife, and he, we saw the Frank Thomas commercial. Mm-hmm. And we saw NuGenics uh, sponsoring Frank Thomas, and my son says he's fat. Why is he, you know, why is he endorsing them? Why don't you do it? I said, well, AJ, you get a hold of NuGenics. We'll send him a couple of pictures, and we'll see what happens. Consequently, yesterday I did my first social media commercial for <laughs> NuGenics. <laughs> so we'll see if if if. Uh, the results of working out, taking their product, sells better than just a name. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so you do take NuGenics? Sure. Yes. Yeah. And it is it is helping you, I, you know, the thing turn is into. It, I mean, you're like I said. I mean, at 57, right? To be able to lift what you're lifting and have right. the appearance you have, that is that is certainly an outlier. That is very rare.
1: Well, yeah. It's it's first of all, I, I have nothing to do with the genetics I have. You know, you could have a guy actually work out twice as hard as me. At my age, he can even eat better than me. He could take products like I do. He could sleep well. He he doesn't if he doesn't you know drink beers that night, and if he doesn't eat pizza, I still might look better than him because of genetics. So I've just been genetically gifted to to have results at a higher level than than most people so that's part number me, one part of me feels like i might not have been you have not been blessed with genetics as far as
0: <laughs> now you were very direct <laughs> with
1: that statement i mean you didn't even leave it open but to... you've been you've been but here's the thing you've been you have been blessed intellectually
0: oh my god that was a legitimate compliment it was. i'm waiting for you to now kick me because you set me up now i'm waiting for you to kick no me. that's line that's coming. true you're you're a smart guy and and the reason why you're smart
1: is because you have, you have a very good sense of humor. And smart people have a good sense of humor. Oh, well, look at you. This,
0: this and as is long as you don't you. cross
1: the morality line, you're well, even our, better. Your
0: morals and my morals might be different. I'm pretty comfortable in saying that.
1: Well, I'm saying that you you can stay within
0: a family uh, program if you if you choose to. Yeah, this right. is a choice. <laughs> <This> <laughs> it, is is, not... it is absolutely a choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know if I, I would be welcomed in some of your circles, but my circles would love to have you, especially now that you're a new genetics guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting for us. So speaking of genetics, I'm always curious about this. Obviously, we know about your time in the big leagues, but I'm curious what it was like when you're growing up and especially now you've seen your sons and the sure. athletic talent they have, and you talk about having some great genetics. Right. Were you like the best football, basketball, and baseball player growing up? Was that going on when you were like 10 and 12 and all that?
1: I just, yeah, I was always the best player on the team. I was always the best player up to the opposing team. It didn't really matter what sport I was playing. Really? Yet. So what were you playing? Well, I played football up to my uh, sophomore year. Um, I played basketball. You know, I was an all-state basketball player. Um what state was this? New York. New York, um, and you know, I played. Obviously, I played baseball growing up. Not a lot of it, really. Not a lot of it. Ba- Here is the one, one, funny thing about. Uh, again, we're talking about gifts that we are giving. We have nothing to do with. I was I was a gifted baseball player, and I I can make an argument that I have my I might have had the least amount of at bats and uh, at least in the last 50 years as an amateur before I got to the big leagues. Really? Yes. I mean, I played 18... Think about this. I played 18 high school games and 18 Legion games. That's it, from 15 to 18. That's all I played. I I played less than 40 games a year of baseball in the summer. So, and you're only playing seven innings, too. And I was never on a travel team. Um... And we had rain outs and snow outs. So my amateur experience, I, I got to believe, um, was probably as, as small as an amateur career maybe in, in the last That's 50 years. That's
0: what So a Cardinal scout sees you in New York? Is that what happened? <clears throat> the reason I got drafted by the Cardinals. 79, correct? 1979, 28? first pick, sixth
1: pick in the draft, was because I could run. Again, something that I had nothing to do. I was fast. And I could throw the b- baseball, and I could hit, and I had I showed power in high school, and w- that was just something that came naturally. And did I work at it? Yeah, I mean my my practice here's here's my here was my practice. I hung a tire off a tree limb in my backyard and, and used to hit the tire. Really? <clears throat> That's what you did. That's what I did. I hit hit the flap. Part of a worn out tire with no tread. And I would whack that thing and whack that thing and whack that thing. <clears throat> and then there was a go-kart place that had batting cages about uh, five, six miles away from my house and I used to fill up my pocket with quarters and ride my bike to go hit off a pitching machine that, you know, five out of ten pitches, you know, were nowhere near uh, you could swing. <laughs> and that's and that's how um that was my practice. And, and so, I, you know, we didn't have batting cages. We didn't have all these uh, specialized things that kids have today, which I think is is terrific for kids today. Mm-hmm. But that just wasn't wasn't part of the process of, of my amateur experience. When the draft came along, were you expecting to be picked that high? Did you know that that was coming? Or Well, I knew unequivocally that I was going to be drafted number one by the Pittsburgh Pirates. But they, they had the 22nd pick in the draft. I did not know that the Cardinals were going to pick me. And here's the thing. Uh, early in April, we had a bunch of scouts come to, to watch me play. And there were about like, you know, 20, 22 scouts there. And they're all the, the, the head scouts of, for amateur draft. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And it rained. Oh, so they're, they're sitting around for a week. And finally, Saturday morning comes around, and they – they want to work out. So my high school coach was going to work me out Saturday morning. Well, when I was a senior in high school, we used to have a fight club, like the Brad Pitt and Edward. Norton. Well, we had gloves. Oh, okay. We had gloves, no headgear, and what we did, we had all the nerds. We had we every Friday night, we pick three nerds out. So I would have been. You probably would have been right, one of the. I judges. would have been there. Absolutely. So we had we had three judges. <laughs> And we used to put $5 in, in a box and anybody could sign up. It was like the NCAA bracket. You put, you know, five guys on one side and five oh, guys on the other. And so we'd have a three round match, one minute rounds. And so the only rules we had was if blood, if you showed blood, you're out. And obviously you can tap out or you get knocked out. Those are only three ways you, you could, uh, you could win before the, it put it in the hands of the judges. So that night I ended up going like five, I think, four, I can't remember if it was four or five bouts. I ended up winning that night. The next day I got welts on my face. <laughs> I got welts on my arms. And um, in, in April up in upstate New York, it's cold. So I'm fully dressed. And I'm wearing a, a, a turtleneck to try to cover up the welts on my neck. But I still got some on my face. And my, my high school coach stole batting practice to me. And I could not hit a ball. Out of the infield. Oh, my God. Because if you, you if you box, if anybody who's listening hits box, they know that your arms the next day, if you're not training for boxing, right? they feel like lead pipes. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I couldn't hit a ball in the infield. And there were scouts just walking away, shaking their head, absolutely pissed off that they wasted a week in upstate New York, rain, cold sleet to watch this guy they said you got to be kidding me so fred McAllister, who was who was ahead of the, the scouts at the time for the cardinals comes up to me after everybody walks away and he says what's going on and i said what do you mean he goes i've seen you play i've seen you hit before what happened so i had to say i so i gave him the story about the boxing match the night before and he says, you know, I knew something was up. He said, let me ask you one more question. Did you win? I said, yeah, I took all the money home. He goes, he just shook his head. Okay. And he walked away. I never saw him again until the day I came to St. Louis the day after the draft and signed my contract. And he came up to me and said, I knew you were, you were tough. I knew you were a competitor. And I said, I didn't care that you hit a ball. I you know, couldn't hit a ball in the field. Wow.
0: That's interesting. I wonder what would have happened had you been raking like you normally would have been. This guy liked the fact that you boxed and won and still went out there and grinded. Right. Wow. is not it amazing how those little things that impact
1: so many other things? Well, it impacted the reason I'm sitting here with you yeah. now is because of Fred McAllister. How
0: about that? God. We were talking before we started about asking me what I was doing in 1982 because I said, oh, you remember the 83 Cardinals. 82. Right. And I'm like I figure you were in Louisville. That's where I figured
1: you were. No, I was in Maguas, Puerto Rico. What? Yes, uh, I was uh, just at the beginning of playing winter ball that year, and Maguas is the furthest um, town, baseball town, from San Juan. It's a couple hours away, and it was raining that night, and we were sitting under a hut with a extension cord that came out of a building. The extension court had to be fifty feet, and there's a bunch of um, uh, us, a bunch of guys on the team watching the World Series on a thirteen-inch black and white TV, <laughs> and that's where I saw the Cardinals win the World Series. That's that was I watched the last out when, um, Suitors, went, McCoy, yeah, with Gordon, yeah, Gordon Thomas. Yep, and I thought, you know what? I am so far away from the big leagues. I'm sitting under a, a banana <laughs> hut. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. I, 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 I'm never gonna play for these guys. W- what am I doing <laughs> next summer? I was playing in the they big were leagues. Playing the big leagues, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about
0: that? <laughs> Going was, to Ritz carltons instead of banana. Yeah, huts. a little different, a little different operation with the Cardinal traveling. What was it like? How'd you find out you were getting called up? I always like hearing those stories. Uh, I was. Um, I got called in Jim Fagosi's office after Fagosi was the manager. Of yeah, the legal? yeah. Ninety-three Phillies.
1: Yeah, I actually and I actually played for Jim uh last time I played for for the Phillies, yeah, too. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. And he brought me in the office, and he says, you know, I tried everything I could to convince the Cardinals not to make this move, but you're going to the big leagues
0: <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> First person you call? Uh, I didn't call
1: anybody, actually. There weren't cell phones back then, Tim.
0: Well I, well, I understand that. I'm aware of that, but I figured okay. you probably— no i i uh
1: <laughs> i went out in my uh i had j- i was only married two weeks my wife had graduated really? from college and, oh, look at that! And yeah so uh, i i went out there and nice i had this big smile on my face and and uh i said i got to go to st louis tomorrow they got a day off they want me to come to st louis you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you know get everything together she goes what what are you talking about so yeah, they want to fly me to St. Louis tomorrow. I said, you ain't flying to St. Louis. <laughs> I'm going with you. We're packing a ball and we're going together. <laughs> we're gone. <laughs> Fortunately, we had a day off. So that was that's why it worked out. And if I'm not mistaken, your first game went really well. Well, it, my first game, I, my first half-bat I struck out, and then my 2nd at half-bat I hit a um, a double off of uh, Cy Rainey. We called him Cy Rainey at the time because his name was Chuck, Chuck Rainey for the Cubs
0: but actually my first <laughs> this is kind of like calling a fat guy tiny is that is that right. what it's called side yeah
1: yeah, yeah. We just, it was back then you used to battle, make fun of your, your opponents without anybody you know getting in there there was no safe zones back then <laughs> 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 but at, uh, my, actually my first week went well because I hit you know I had, hit my first uh, couple, three home runs in, in, in Shea Stadium that, that weekend uh-huh. and hit a home run off my my uh, hero growing up Tom Seaver Oh, how about that? Yeah, it, it was only four. I was only four years removed from high school. Tom Seaver was my favorite player growing up. I had that poster in my, in my room growing up of Tom Seaver because I was a Mets fan. And when I hit that home run off of Tom Seaver in the upper deck, I ran around the bases and I tapped my foot on the home plate. And I had two emotions: like, yeah, I made it, and man. I cannot believe it. I just hit a home run off my
0: hero, the guy that was hanging in my and I, room.
1: And my, my and my mom, being the way she is about it, was probably a shrine. My my bedroom was probably exactly the same when I left it when I was eighteen <laughs> years old. So I my I figured that that poster was
0: still hanging on my wall. <laughs> when you're stepping in the batter's box against Tom Seaver, are you like I can't believe that's Tom Seaver out there? Or are you at this point now?
1: Oh cool, yeah. yeah, you have the the, the interesting thing about the. Uh, you know, you step in the box, and you, obviously you try to focus on what you're trying to accomplish, but you can't help thoughts that come in sure. your head. You know, you, I mean, I'm like nervous, and but I want to beat them, and you know, I actually thought about, man, I want, I actually went, man, I wonder if that poster's still on my wall. It's <laughs> on your mind as you're in the batter's box, <laughs> yeah. Stadium with Tom Seaver. Yeah, the <laughs> and so when I hit home plate, it was kind of, it was interesting. I kept that poster kind of went. Kind of torn <laughs> in half, you know, like okay, I made it. I made it. I just <laughs> hit it off this guy. Yeah, you're not that good
0: after all. <laughs> the 1985 Cardinals are for my money. I know it's one of my favorite teams because I was like eight, sure. So that you're always that's the team, kind of like you with Seaver right. growing up in right. New York. But I still think and I could be wrong. Games obviously changed, that that team was that so... team couldn't beat this. This that 85 team would slaughter this team today, really. Yeah. I love hearing that, even though I'm polling for this team today. No, no, it has nothing makes, to do with that. Yeah, obviously you want them to win, right? But you're just saying the talent level and in, in what capacity? Let me now, ask the you a question. is the thing I think. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Who would you rather have at third base,
1: Terry uh, Pendleton
0: or Jerko? Okay, Terry Pendleton, Ozzie Smith, Ozzie Smith doesn't matter. Tommy Uh yes. Jack Clark, yes. Willie McGee. Well, I don't know. Matt Carpenter's had a hell of a year. I think that one. That's not the point. I'm saying Well, I mean, I mean, I think that one's okay, not well, as easy we'll, we'll as
1: the we'll first. Three. Mike Carpenter is our fourth outfield. Okay. All right. William McGee. Yes. Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman. Oh my God. So what are we talking about here?
0: Okay. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I just brought up the team. I mean, you're hazing my
1: balls off. <laughs> no, I'm not hazing. I'm just saying it's it's
0: it's it's a okay. no-brainer. Who is the catcher in '85? Daryl Porter. Daryl right? Porter. Yeah. So the catcher goes to Molino. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Starting rotation, John Tudor went off like after twenty-one and seven. Yeah, he, he was, was one like, and six. Ter- yeah, it was, it was terrible. One twenty in a row. Yeah,
1: Sick. Who else? Is Joaquin Andorra won twenty twenty games. Danny Cox won eighteen games. Bullpen by committee. Yeah, it we didn't we didn't blow by a save until the last game of the uh, game six of the World Series,
0: which I officially don't recognize. Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: my point being is. <laughs> what are we talking about here? I mean, it has, I was, it was dishing, a great team. I'm not I mean, dishing this gr- team. That's not the point. Okay, no, so it's a
0: great team. You caught the final out to win the division in 85, correct? Right, correct. Were like a line drive and you're running toward it. I yes. was in the stands and yeah. I loved it. it was I so think awesome Gary be... Carter hit the ball. I thought it was against the Cubs. No, it was the Mets. It was against the Mets, really? Yeah. God, I kind of want to bet you on this. Well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been the Cubs. I don't care. Okay, he right? said it's Gary Carter. I'm like, well, I, I thought don't know the it Cubs. was Gary Carter. Yeah, maybe it uh, was. Can you look up? it nah, doesn't Carter- matter. Okay, it, it was the Cubs. Okay, fine. But I mean, how? I mean, that's super cool. It's like a line drive. You're running and catch it. Yep. Uh, and then you guys get to play the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, lost the first two in LA. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh this sucks, it's over. And And not only that,
1: the Dodgers beat the snot out of us the whole the whole year too. Really? Yeah. Didn't realize that. The only game that I remember significant was when I hit a home run to win us the game at the last day of the All Star break in LA. Other than that, other than that when you guys so you
0: come back to St. Louis, you rattle off three in a row, and Ozzy's home run came in game five. Correct. Uh Take me back to what you were do. I assume you were in the dugout. I watching. was in the dugout. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then the next game, I was on on the on deck circle when Jack Clark hit the homer. Obviously that that because famous scene. Because that's famous. Yeah. The Tommy Lasorda. I'm not going to pitch to that son of a son of a gun, <laughs> son of a gun Vance
0: <laughs> What's that all about? What do you mean? Well, I mean, what, why, why was he?
1: Well, that's just the way Tommy would speak. He yeah. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. It wasn't a he personal wasn't, thing. No, he wasn't personal. He wasn't dissing me.
0: But yeah, the cameras have to ca- have to capture him right. saying that, right?
1: And so they do. And Vince, Jack Scully, I mean, Vince Galli just was couldn't have been better in that moment. Yeah, I mean, he was so good in that moment.
0: Pedro Guerrero turns and slams, slams his glove down in That was the left best field. part of the whole thing. I know it was, was like a little under kid under the radar. It was and was like Jack's a, running to first base, and he like looks in the dugout. He's saying like, something. We have you, to this day I have, you no have no idea. idea. No.
1: Wow. To this day, I don't know what he was saying. And but,
0: you guys were all running out on the. Well, you got to remember,
1: Neatonfield owned Jack Clark. He had struck him out the the uh, the inning before, actually. So, um, yeah, I mean the fact that Jack, again.
0: Jack Clark was a very good clutch hitter for the ball club. And so was on the mound for two of the most famous moments in back-to-back Back-back. games. But, he, but people don't realize, I mean, he was a damn good reliever. Oh, he was very good. Yeah. He was very good. And the Wizard got him, and then Jack Clark got him. Yeah. Are you guys, when you're turning the page, I think the Royals went to seven with the Blue Jays. They did. There. Yeah. Yeah. And they had come back from three to one yes. in that series, yeah, too. Yeah, I know. I thought it was going to be the Blue Jays. And I remember, right. oh, it'll be cool if it's two Missouri teams. Little did I know that the people in Kansas City have this weird thing with St. Louis. Well, the Missouri about, period. My son lives
1: in, in in Kansas Kansas City. He okay. lives in Overland Park and he says it's really weird. I mean there's a city in Kansas, in downtown where one side's Missouri, one side is yes, yeah, State Kansas. Line Road, State right. Line Road. Right. And he says it's like going to two different countries. He said the people are different. The attitudes are like it's. He says it's weird. It's
0: something else. You cross I, the
1: street and it's like <laughs> you cross a road. It literally is yeah, a road. Yeah.
0: And it's a whole thing. I mean, that Missouri Kansas thing is legitimate. The Kansas City thing with St. Louis. I had no ill will toward Kansas City no. at all. So when did Vince Coleman's thing happen? Did that happen like in the off days in between the the NLCS and the World Series? No, it was before a game. It was it was a rain delay. It was a rain delay. I know that. But was it, but you guys already won the NLCS when that happened? I'm yeah. Trying, I'm trying to. Because, yeah. and it happened in St. Louis, it had to have happened in St. Louis, it, so it had to be between before game right. three, so he did play in one and two. Yeah. Okay, all right. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Andy Van Slyke here on the Tim McKernan Show. If you are enjoying our guests, then please make sure that you thank Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, because he is our guest presenting sponsor. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at STL. Com. Now, Mark got on board with sponsoring the program uh, in July. And so at this point, it's a couple of months. And he has been thrilled with how people who listen to the podcast give him a call or check him out online. The number is 314-889-0503 or online at evergreenstl.com. And when it gets down to it, that is the name of the game. If you're enjoying these interviews, if you're enjoying Pick 6, where I pick games inaccurately, or if you're enjoying questions from the audience realize that without the support of sponsors the thing will not exist and so i sincerely appreciate it as does everybody associated with the podcast that uh, the audience does reach out and uh, do business with our sponsors so mark's number is three one four eight eight nine zero five zero three, or online at evergreenstl.com and here's the thing uh i'll tell a little anecdote um and maybe, I don't know, I'm young to be doing this or old to be doing this or right in the sweet spot. I have no idea. But but now that we have a child, one year old, uh, you, you start getting your, you know, estate planning done. I guess it's probably not something you look forward to doing because you're talking about dying and all these other things. But, yeah, you got to do it. I mean, it's the right thing to do. So I was doing this. I happened to be doing it yesterday. And uh, the attorney with whom I'm working uh, said something along the lines of, you know, is she was saying, you know, my, this family member was, you know, not really good at it, whereas I was just so conscious of what I was doing with money at 16. And I go, Oh God, it made me feel awful to hear that because for real, and I, I guess it's helpful if I tell the story, but it doesn't change the fact I did it. It's embarrassing, but for real, I was putting money in a savings account up until like I was 40, which is just hideous. Uh, but that's what I was doing, and. And you go, you, you might be, going, well, that's what I do too. Or, well, yeah, I do that or whatever the case might be. And then I, then my, uh, financial advisor took a look at it and goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm saving money. And he goes, yeah, but with, you know, I mean, what are you making like zero, 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 zero 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 point zero 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 point zero 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 one on that money. I mean, that's just terrible. And, uh, and, you, and you listen, because because people don't talk about their money, understandably, and so if you don't know, it's not something that's just going to come up in everyday conversation unless you're, you're running at parties in the park or something and people are boasting about their portfolios. So now that I've gotten to know Mark Hanna, um, I now not only – well, I, I became aware here within the last couple of years that I was messing up and it's embarrassing and I'm trying to set our audience on the right path, but secondarily – this is somebody that I can fully, wholeheartedly recommend to you. Uh, and it's not going to be like, okay, here comes a bunch of paperwork and here comes a huge commission or any of those things. That's not what I'm saying. It's about organizing. And, I, and my guess is if you are conscious of it and feeling like you could be doing better, I know how I am and I have like some anxiety. I'm like, I got to tend to this thing. I got to tend to this thing, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And just taking the step to call And then realizing what they do for you, which is organizing it, and then that puts you at ease. Oh, I'm so happy to be able to talk about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies because I know how much it can help and how much when it gets down to it, it might feel like something you don't need. But actually, at some point, you will realize that you really do need it. Uh, so please give him a call, and you'll be happy that you did. And if you're if you're not, then email me and say, you are wrong, brother. But I'm telling you, you're going to be happy you did. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna is his name, and I wholeheartedly recommend you give him a call. 314-889-0503 or online at evergreenstl.com. Now, back to our conversation with Andy Van Like. So you guys go up three to one on. Honestly, if you look back on that, were the Dodgers a better team than the Royals? Um, lineup wise, yeah. Pitching wise, no. Had they had Saberhagen, who was on fire, yeah. Um, Charlie, and yeah, Charlie Lee Brandt, yeah, that's right. Yeah. and they uh, and you guys go up three to one on them, right? And and I, you know, and I take myself back again. I'm at this point now. I'm nine. You have a home game to close it out, Every Game lose, Five, right? So Danny Jackson. Danny Jackson, who wound up pitching for the Cardinals a yeah, lot later. Yeah, yeah. yeah, stuck it to us. He was, he was on his game. But as you're heading back to Kansas City, like, oh, that sucks. We could have won it at home. Right. Or is there any going, oh, that we might have – What do you recall what you guys were thinking at that point? Well, obviously we didn't want to go back. It was
1: very disappointing. But I don't think it really yeah. had an effect on the ball club in Game 6 at all. But Game 6 definitely – had an effect on Game Seven. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I want to get into that. It's like we were done after Game Seven. That's what I. That's exactly where I was going to go. But let's first talk <laughs> about that. It's one nothing in the ninth when Warrell's facing. Is it one or two nothing? Was it no. I was one nothing. two to I one? Look this I, don't up. Know. I can't re- exactly remember. Uh, and Todd Warrell's on the mound. Right. George Order's leading. George Jordan, and he hits it, Yes. And, and and so are you. And well, the bad
1: part was that if Jack Clark goes to cover first time, her standing there waiting to throw the ball. Right. But Jack Clark feels the ball. Yeah, it was one nothing, and because okay. you guys lost, two and more. you know he he doesn't make a good throw to Todd. Todd's got to reach back, so it looks like he's safe. Obviously, um, but obviously he's out, mm-hmm. and and so now Jack Clark's got to hold him on, and then there's a there's a pop up that stays in the field, and Jack misses it, and, and the him reason, and Porter over by the dugout. Yeah, right? and, and it, the funny thing is, if Jack Clark. Um, is playing in the right position. He, he has a much better angle to catch the ball. He can go to the rail and then run up the rail, but he had to go to the rail, and then he kind of got lost. About he got too close to the rail, and the ball spun back th- towards the infield, and that's when he missed it. Mm-hmm. So that that out. So now that that's two outs instead of now now you got right. You know he still got no outs and a man on first, and consequently I can't remember who who hit the ball, but he ends
0: up getting on too. What are you thinking while this is all going on? Are you seeing I'm it still thinking. Apart?
1: There's, you know, n- no worries. Really? Oh yeah. I'm I'm thinking no worries. Um, and are you in right field? For I'm in was? right field. Okay. Yeah, I'm in right field. And um, I just, you know, I, obviously, you know, in the outfield, everything's un- unfolding in front of you, and um, nothing went right after that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just nothing went right. I mean, Dan Orch can't even hit the ball hard enough to me. So I, you know, I mean, if he if he hits just a normal base hit to me, you know, works out by seven feet, right. or seven strides. But he gets jammed, flares it out to flares him, right. it out there, and you know, again, here we talk about exit velocity. Who gives a flying fart about <laughs> exit velocity? Because you know he that way he gets jammed, breaks his bat, and the ball doesn't get to me. Like a normal base hit does. And
0: that's why, you know, he somewhere had a chance to score. I've uh, talked to Ricky Horton about this. Uh, I feel like I've talked to Ozzy about this. I don't know if you and I have ever discussed it. You guys get to the clubhouse after losing game six. And I know Ricky said, he goes, we knew we were not going to win game seven before we even left the ballpark to go back to the hotel.
1: Well, we kind of knew that. And then it was, it was imp- seared into our minds when Whitey came in after the game. And um, basically he told us we're not going to win Game Seven. Really?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: in, in so many words. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, he you know he came in and tried to, and his he tried to pick us up, but he's saying, hey, you know the umpire, you know he blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. He used some choice words mm-hmm. and we got this. And he blew the call. I get, He says, well, we'll just try to show up tomorrow and do the best we can. <laughs> Something like that. I was like, well, oh, jeez, Whitey. I can't wait to get to the ballpark tomorrow (laughs) so you can get get our butts kicked. But the thing is, he knew Saber Hagen was pitching as good as he could pitch. And I'm not so sure he, uh, you know, as great as John Tudor was, he was probably out of gas at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So Tudor's out there. It's a debacle. Then Joaquin goes out there. Is Dickinger behind home plate that night? He is. Oh, God. He is. I guess they can't do anything about that. You no, know, they can make it a scene by moving them to second, as opposed to moving no, that it. Would be, you know, that would be yeah. hey,
1: you know the fact is that, you know, those those guys are so good. I mean, I don't. I personally don't like instant replay. I wish we, we kept baseball tr- the, the, traditionally like we had. but, You know, rely on the umpires, rely on the players for the outcome of the game. But the re- we didn't lose that World Series because of Don Deckinger. We lost that World Series because we hit 180 as a team, yeah. and the Royals all pitched us. Yeah. That's yeah. why we lost.
0: It wasn't Don Deckinger's fault. Does it Does it stick with you in any way now? No, 33 years later. I
1: no, I just you know I just wish I had that rank. Right, but um, no, it. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't feel like my career is. You know, has I have a less. You know, my career is somehow not fulfilled because I didn't
0: get. A World Series ring. Ozzy has uh, said, uh, when I've BSed with him before, that he thinks of the three teams that went, and I know you were only on the 85 team right. uh, in spring training with the 87 team and part of the organization in 82, he thought the 85 team was the best of the three, even though the 82 team was the one that won the World Series. I couldn't... Yeah, I can't argue that. I think yeah. I agree with him, yeah. So what happens in spring training of 87, where you get traded to the Pirates? What was going I'm, on there? Well,
1: um, Jim Linneman was, a, I think, a number one pick for the Cardinals, yeah. and he... Um, he's a right-handed hitter, um, and I the the reason I got traded was well, first of all, the Pirates desperately need some new talent. Um, but Whitey thought that Mike Lavalier, which is really this is kind of a this is a part of the brilliance of of Whitey Herzog's thinking that. First of all, he wasn't really sure Michael Vare was going to hit, but he was so worried about Michael Vare hitting eighth and the pitcher not having the ability to bunt him over from first base if he does get wow, a hit. Wow, that's what that was about. Yes. And I'm thinking, well, if you're worried about not having the ability for him to get bunt, well, you should be worried about him scoring from second then. So, what good is it to bunt him <laughs> yeah, over good point. first, second base? Good point. That was my thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and, but Jim Little, Jim Lemon was having had some good career minor league numbers, and they thought he was going to be a uh, a good good hitter at the big league level. It didn't turn out to be. But um, I had had my best spring at that point in my career. I was d- doing very very well offensively uh, in spring training. Obviously, having four years under my belt helped my my confidence. I was, and here is the thing: I, I had played every day in center field second half of the season. Well, he got hurt, Right. and I hit three hundred five the second half of the season. So I knew at that point in my career, I'm ready to play every day. And I really thought that that was going to take place in, in, in St. Louis, playing right field every day.
0: What was that moment like? Is Whitey the one who tells you you've been? Whitey, yes,
1: yeah. I went going to his office, and it was April 1st, and um, – Again, I was playing every day in spring training, batting third. And when I came to the ballpark that day, I look at the lineup card, and it says uh, "It says Coleman, McGee, Blank, Clark, whatever. I'm thinking, well, why am I not hitting third today? Or why isn't there any name there? Mm-hmm. And so I had sort of a tweaked hamstring, but it didn't prevent me from playing. And Gene Gieselman, the trainer, I'm stretching out him right field getting ready to, for batting practice that morning, he comes up to me and goes, slick, slick, slick. He goes, are you okay? I said, what do you mean? He said, how's your hamstring? I said, it's fine. You know, you know, know, For the last two weeks, he's never asked me about my <laughs> hamstring. And all of a sudden, he's concerned about my hamstring. <laughs> so he goes, you sure you're okay? I said, yes. I'm thinking, well, that's weird. And then about two minutes later, Buddy Bates, the clubhouse manager, mm-hmm. walks up and he, and he puts his head and he goes, Slick, Whitey wants to see you in his office. I said, oh, now what? So when I walk down, a couple of people turn their heads and look at me like they already somehow they already uh, knew or whatever. Yeah. Front, I don't know. I walk into Whitey's office and he says, sit down, Slick. So he's trying to be positive. Says, hey, I traded you to Pittsburgh. He says, this is going to be great for you. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, great. This is going to be tremendous. I'm going to a last-place team the last three years of their own. They can't draw a million people. <laughs> and I'm going from the, from the penthouse to the outhouse. And I don't even know who the manager is at, in Pittsburgh. It, it, at that, it was Jim Leland. He already had a year under his belt. I have no idea what's going on in Pittsburgh, except I don't want to go there. <laughs> so are you just like, are you depressed? I mean, is, how, how does oh, that work? are you kidding me? Yeah. It was the worst day of my career. Really? Yeah, absolutely the worst day. Wow! I had to go across the Skyway Bridge, and I'm ticked, Mike Levi and I ride over together, and we're just ragging on the Pirates. Like, can you believe we're going to this team? This team, you know, they got the <laughs> stupidest uniforms. And...
0: <laughs> were you still wearing the train conductor hat? No, or that if they had, they'd they'd moved on. From they that?
1: moved on from that. Yeah. But I'm thinking, oh. I, Colors are brutal. I guess. And like, you were just everything you can think of. The place stinks. There's nothing to do downtown. Where are you going to live? It rains all the time. The weather sucks. You know? And then I had that attitude for a month into the season. I really did. And we're in Dodger Stadium, and I had epiphany. I was hitting 200 in April. I didn't hit a home run yet. I got like, I don't know, seven RBIs or something. Striking out all the time. And so, Jim, Liam, comes out to me after the game. He says, I'm going to move you to center field. I'm going to move Bonds out of center. He says, you're going to be a better center fielder than Bonds. I had been playing right field at that point. Mm-hmm. And I had dress shoes on. I got dressed. I left the clubhouse, and I walked back to the hotel from Dodger Stadium. It took me about, I don't know, an hour, around 15 minutes to walk back. I got back to my room and I got blisters on my on my uh, on my heels. But on the way home, I decided, you know what? This is what you always wanted your whole career since you got to the bigs to be an everyday player. I said it's time to stop crying like a little girl. Man up! Let's get this done. I ended up having 21 home runs and and 80 RBIs the rest of the year. Wow. And almost hit three hundred. So
0: you just flipped the switch. I mean, you I, mentally, I
1: changed my totally changed my attitude about about my situation.
0: Was it tough to? And come that's back how here?
1: powerful the mind can be at the big league level. Yeah, it speaks volumes. It had nothing there. to do with my talent. My it talent didn't was change. There, right. I didn't get. You know, I also didn't have better bat speed or whatever. When you came back here to play the Cardinals, was it difficult? Was there a, sure it was a the first couple years? Yeah, yeah, I always wanted to. I pressed. I always wanted to to beat you guys. You mm. know, beat St. Louis. Beat you know, show them that they have made a mistake. Right. Um you know, the wonderful thing the next year Whitey's the manager of the All Star team, he and he picks me for the All Star team. Yeah. I deserved it, but on my point view, it was it was cool that that he had to me. Yeah, and it, yeah. he says, you know, it's like I, I knew you could always be an All Star and I you know, he says, you know, it worked out for you in Pittsburgh and blah blah blah. Right. So
0: what was it like to watch the eighty seven team play in the World Series? That, um, big, that salt in the wounds? Yeah. I mean obviously I wish I was out on the
1: field. Right. You know, these these are some of those guys I came through the minor leagues with and and uh you know I mean yeah I mean it was it was tough you know I sat in the second row behind home plate that year Oh I,
0: you, you went to the games?
1: Yeah I of course I went to the games I I'm going to still support my buddies God bless you know I'm, like, I'm I don't have that much poison in my, like I said I changed my attitude you know I was yeah. rooting for the Cardinals of not course not I mean I used to drive home the first month in my car because we're on an East Coast team, and you guys are Mid- Cardinals of Midwest, I used to, be able to catch the last few innings of the Cardinal games on KMOX, but I had to get to, on the top of this hill where I lived. And I used to park my car and listen to the last couple of innings of the game. On KMOX? Just whining and like <laughs> feeling sorry for myself. But after I had that walk, I never listened to another game the rest of the
0: season. Wow, boy, that really is saying something. That's a that's a profound moment, I guess, in your career. Sure I mean, it just was that, that one walk. Yep. Wow. So the team suddenly, at least from our standpoint, I mean, growing up, I'm like, where the hell did the Pirates come from? But in '90, '91, '92, won what was the National League East. And the, when that's what winning your division really
1: meant. Something. I know. I kind of I, I keep that miss stuff. that. You miss it too. The yes, the balanced schedule. I miss. Tremendously. I think it says a lot about your ball club when you
0: win your division. Absolutely, because you have a six-month, 162-game season, and now it's like it can be done in, in a best-of-five, you know, and I
1: hate no, that. No, I mean, it's not the p- postseason I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you play. My point is you want to measure a team, you play the same opponent the same amount of times.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying on the balance schedule. What I'm saying is I don't like that I feel like all, the success of those six months can be, you know, Shot out the door. I'm not saying the they should. not I'm not saying the first round
1: shouldn't have been seven games. Right. They should have been.
0: yeah, yeah that, no. that part they should. have But it isn't. I, I agree with you. It's a much different accomplishment now than it was, uh, or uh, yeah, than it was back in in ninety, ninety one, ninety two, and of right. course eighty five, and and uh, the Cardinals team eighty seven. So, do you see this coming with how good that team wound up being? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you're out in an outfield with Bobby Bonilla and Barry Bonds, right? And you know, and he had it, some sick pit. with Dreback won the Cy Young? Did he not? He did in
1: ninety. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw it coming. Did yeah. you? Yeah, we had we had a good bench. Um, our bullpen was always the weakest link in our in, in all those years, but we had good starting rotation, and we could really catch the ball. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing that scares me about this current team is they cannot catch the ball. Yeah, we didn't lose games defensively. This team does. And if you really want to separate your, yourselves as being a championship team, you still have to be able to catch the ball.
0: Is that just talent or is that a managerial slash coaching thing? It's, I think it's, first of all, it's at, I think it's
1: attitude number one and talent number two. Yeah. To
0: prioritize and, defense to as
1: a philosophy on when you get your players. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't make, you know, like the other day, the Cardinals lose the game when Matt Carpenter misses the ball at first base and then the wild pitch ends up winning, losing the game. Right. You know, they, they, they score a run without, I think, any one hit on a air and, a you know, they lose the game on a pass ball or a wild pitch. You know, this is a good team. But if they want to be a great team, they can't lose games like that. Yeah, self-inflicted wounds. Right. And we, didn't, we never defensively, we didn't lose games. And that's why we were good. Because our pitching staff was yeah, it was average, uh-huh. but we caught the ball, so we had a Gold Glove catcher, Mike Leavier. Mike Leavier, ironically, and we had we had a great shortstops. So, you know, we had Jeff Kingich and Jay Bell, and Jose Lean was as good as anybody yeah. I've ever played with defensively. Um, when we had Subream at first, he every ball that was hit to him, he caught. He, he, he had about the same range as Matt Carpenter, but he caught everything. Mm-hmm. Barry Bonds was the best, maybe the best left defensive field in the history of the game. People don't realize just if he could throw at a higher level. I mean, he won six goal goals in a row. The guy who could really play left field. Our weakest defensive place was right field with Bobby Bonilla.
0: And he was an average outfielder. Yeah. You guys are in the NLCS in 90 against the Reds. Reds. 90- they beat us in six. And then they go on a sweep. The A's, which right. was a real big surprise considering that team's talent. The 91 against the Braves. Seven games. And then 92 against the Braves. Seven games. Right. I still remember the image of you after Sid Bream scores to win the 92 NLCS sitting in center field just looking absolutely – a combination of stunned and distraught at that moment. I was devastated. But I, I remember you telling me, and I don't know if this was on air if this was just when we were BSing, playing golf or whatever, about – what happened about a minute before Francisco Cabrera's base hit right. to left field, if you could regale well, the audience with, with what happened in this seventh game, where the Pirates are, what, you're up in the ninth inning. Right. The we're, tying run's on third, Bream's on second. We're the up winning 2 run.
1: nothing in the ninth inning.
0: So it's 2-1 at
1: this point, correct?
0: A, Bream scored the game-winning right, run. Right, from second base. Right.
1: Well, I, I have a very simple philosophy when it comes to those situations. <laughs> You got you got to give yourself a chance to throw somebody out at home plate. like if the guy hits the ball overhead, over my head, first of all, the pitcher made a mistake. But if the pitcher in that situation does his job and makes a good pitch, and he ha- happens to get some barrel on it, most balls are hit in front of you, not behind you. You got to remember that. You can't really control gaps, but you can tr- you can control. Um, the ability, the distance in which you can catch the ball. That's the only thing you can control. So, I i always in those situations where um, the opposing team had a chance to either tie or win the game, I'm going to, I'm not making sure I don't get beat with a hit, base hit to me. And so I moved up before he even came to the plate, and I tried to get Barry to move up a little bit, because I thought he was playing too deep. And you know, again, Bear, like I said, Barry was a tremendous outfielder, and he, just, and he looked at me and he decided not to do that. Did he like wave you off or something like that? He gave me an international peace sign. It's...
0: <laughs> so he he flips you off in left field while you're,
1: which is you know, it, it, I can't make a move. You know, Barry... was this a regular occurrence that he would flip you off? When no, you no, 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 no. He just chose right here. With well, the, no, with the LCS he, on you on the... got to remember, Barry, 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 and I played side-by-side for seven years and never ran into each other he was he was great he was unbelievable knowing where i was going to be the speed in which i was going to be the angle i was going to be and i understood him and those are things you can't teach i mean you're not going to teach martinez not to run into something he's gonna he he might end up killing somebody someday (laughs) okay I'm not, it's not. A, it's just a fact. I mean, he, that's not. That's not his makeup. Okay. I was scared to death about Bobby Benia because he could have killed me many times <laughs> if I didn't get out of his way. I mean, he's going after the balls. He's got no chance of catching. You know, he's so singularly focused. He can't. See, he has. He has no peripheral vision. Barry's peripheral vision was tremendous. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. There were times when we were going full speed at angles in which you would have thought we were going to go head to head. And both of us at the last minute, would have, with no communication, it might have been a line driver in the gap. Who, where we both have the ability to catch the ball, and you don't have time to communicate. We would veer off. One of us would know how to veer off, and catch the ball with the other guy knowing at the last second. He, he, he the my teammate has a better chance right. of catching this ball. All right, 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 You can't teach that. Yeah. That's just that's instinctive. base. Barry was. The most instinctive, smartest players I've ever played with. So you're yelling at
0: him from center field. I don't want to say yelling. yelling I'm selling, suggesting. Suggesting. Yes. But I'm imagining it's pretty loud at Fulton County well, Stadium. Well, yeah, I'm signaling. Yeah, okay. I can't, so I can't. You're like waving, like pushing. Yeah, I'm him. just kind yeah. of,
1: you know, signaling move in a little bit. And then he turns, flips you off. He didn't turn. He just rotated.
0: <laughs> I like the semantics. <laughs> and then the pitch comes in. The ball is hit to Bonds. I mean, it is a, I just watched it's it It's a you came rocket. And
1: here's the thing: if that ball had been six feet closer to the line, he throws him out. But Barry's got to Barry's got to go to his left, okay, yeah, and catch the ball with his glove hand, which is his right hand, Mm -hmm. and he ends up throwing across his body a little bit, and that's why the ball sailed up towards towards the infield. If the ball's hit right at him, he's he he has straighter lines. He has. He has straighter lines to throw the ball down his body line, but he had to throw across his body a little bit. He actually made a tremendous throw. People don't realize. Oh, it's a great throw. Great it was, throw. Great it throw. was a great throw under the circumstances. It was a hard throw. There are hard throws from the outfield, and then there's people can't see that. The average 99,000 out of 100,000 people don't know the difference between a, a easy throw and a hard throw in the outfield. But that was a hard throw, and he did his—I mean, two more feet up the third baseline, he's out. Yeah.
0: So instead, Sid Bream, former teammate, scores the, the run. And now you've experienced the 85 World Series, Game 6. Yes. Uh, getting traded in 87, and your team goes to the World Series, the 90-91, yes. Game 7, and now this in 92.
1: And the reason why it was so devastating to me is because I knew it was over at that point.
0: You knew that was the run. That's it. This Bonds was, was a free agent, cause was he was he not after that year?
1: He was gone after was that year. and Benia Virginia. was gone the year before. We had played that whole year without Benia. And the interesting thing, we had a better team the year before, a more talent the year before, but we were a better team in 92. Mm. Because of all the experience, because of the confidence level, uh, we, even when we were down 3-1, to one, I thought, you know, we're going to win this, still going to win this series. It's interesting thing is we were up 3 to 1 the year before. I didn't feel that. It was weird. It was almost so You guys were up 3-1 on the Braves back to back years? No, we were up 3 to 1 in 91 and lost. Okay. We were down 3 to 1. Oh,
0: got it. Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: But the interesting thing in 92, I I just like I no panic. I could, we're going to come beat back and beat these guys. And have to do so. And with, we would have. and we would have. And it was almost like the same scenario too. The umpire chokes at home plate. Doesn't call strikes when their balls were right down the middle. Randy Marsh was the umpire. The umpire screwed me, not me, but screwed the game up. Behind home plate in game seven of postseason because he didn't properly call balls and strikes. Jose Lean, who only made six errors the whole year, has a ball hit right to him. He goes down on one knee to catch it, and it trickles under his glove and gets in between his legs. Mm. And that was the start of, of that rally, in the ninth inning. In the ninth inning, yeah.
0: what are you sitting there thinking when when I, that camera catches that shot of you like sitting there with your glove on your knees, like the hat kind of? I just my I'm just tilted. like I,
1: I said I can't believe that just I cannot believe what I just saw I cannot believe that that just happened because there's no way I feel watching this umpire not call strikes, and in the back of my mind go. I can't believe this is happening because this is the kind of stuff where when you play against a championship team and you've seen it enough, you give another, you give your opponent, you know, anything, and if they're a good team, they'll take it, mm-hmm. and they took advantage of the air and the and the the walk by Barry Hill, which should have been a strikeout. I mean, you got now you got two again, you got two base
0: runners on base that shouldn't be there. Be there, yeah. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. Are you thinking? This is the worst. This one's the worst. This this one is the worst. Is it still the worst? Oh, it's 26? still yeah. It's yeah. still the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's still the worst. It's much more painful than the than 85. the eighty five. Yeah, really. Yeah, because again, you know, I was I was four. Years, I had time in front of me. Right. Yeah. So you know that it's about coming to an end. Here. Yeah, everything's coming to an end here. You know, and that's one of the reasons. You know, it was interesting. The next day, I went to pack my bag at Three River Stadium, and I was there by myself, and. Jim Lee was in his office. He had his feet up, of course, smoking a cigarette, and he's in his underwear as usual. Nice, you know, you know, man, his manhood hanging out because he, he wears boxers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, these are fun facts of the 1990s <laughs> pirates I wasn't aware of. <laughs> um, and I walked into his office, and he, and I look at him, and he looks at me. And he stands up, and tears start coming down his eyes. Oh. And tears start coming down my eyes. Uh, we said nothing to each other. We walked to each other and we embraced. And we cried like a couple schoolgirls. Wow. And he just tapped me on my shoulder and he says, I'll see you next year. And I walked out. Wow. Because wow. we both knew that the front office wasn't going to spend the money to put, team, put yeah. a team back together. Yeah.
0: Uh, so were you thrilled to see what happened for him in 97? I was ha- oh, sure, happy, yeah. happy for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Difference between Whitey Herzog and Jim Leland. These not much. Not yeah, much. Really? Um, Jim
1: is probably a better one-on-one communicator than uh, than Whitey. Whitey let his coaches do the communication to his players. Jim was more of a guy that walked around and talked to everybody during batting practice or whatever. Um, never, you know, he would never hide his feelings. You know, if he was upset with you, he'd tell you. Um, but as far as managing games... They're both brilliant. Yeah. They're both brilliant, brilliant baseball minds.
0: Played with the Phillies and the Orioles. Orioles and Phillies after that, yeah. And that was and that was it. When it was over, were you like, ah, it's over. That's fine. Or were you like, I can still play, but I'm not I kidding. can I took a year off and I know I can still play. Really?
1: Yeah. Well that's why I came back in that spring training in ninety seven. Ninety seven with the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. And had the best spring of my life. Hit five twenty five that year. How old were you at that point? Thirty seven. Oh,
0: that's dull. You With
1: know. well, a year off too. I mean, that's another thing. You get that's the one reason why play, it's so hard for players to play, and they're you know they get 35, 36 They never had that time for their body to completely rest. Yeah. I'm talking about a, you know six months, eight months, ten months of real healing. So what did you do that whole year? I worked for ESPN the baseball games. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah. Do you like doing it?
0: I did. Yeah. I did. So when you came to camp and then, but
1: you got- my heart, my I wasn't totally committed because you, you. Every time I went it. and sat up and, and did a game, I did all the West Coast games that that they were Wednesday night games. Um. And my heart was still on that field, mm-hmm. and that's why, um, I didn't go back to the next year because I'm a firm believer that if you have a job, you put your heart into it, and I was half-hearted doing my job for ESPN. Yeah. I was cheating them and myself at the same
0: time. So 97 spring training, you don't make the team. What is your thought when that happens? Did you feel like you were, should have made the team? It's, you know, I, it, it's a sore
1: spot in some ways because of the way I felt I was treated. But... Um, Treated by being released, or no, 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 no. In the just process? treated by uh, by Tony. Um, it, I, he'll probably never admit it, but he had he had a um, a thing about ex Whitey players, except for William McGee was the only one he gave a free pass to. Ozzy obviously had his issue. Yeah. Yes, Vince Coleman did. Yeah, so, but my, my point being is that should I deserve to make the team? I, yes, if I didn't get hurt, but I, I injured my calf. And it, Do you think you would have made the team if you didn't? I practice? certainly hope so because I was the best player in, in spring training. I mean, it wasn't even close. Wow. I mean, I can say that because it's just a fact. I'm not bragging. I mean, it's just I was the best player in, in the in the camp.
0: Yeah. And so does Tony let let you know it's over? Is that how it goes? Well, you no. Know,
1: I mean, I he, they gave me the opportunity to go back to the minor leagues. I had had offers from San Francisco and the in the Cubs, but. Um, I had signed a contract for a minimum wage. Um, I didn't do it for the money. I just I wanted. I, actually I, the reason I signed with the Cardinals, I wanted to finish here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to start and finish your career, mm-hmm. that, that would have been really cool. Yeah. So, uh, but my wife was pregnant, and we were my the the day that uh, I was told to go back to Louisville, back to the minor league camp was the day that it was the two weeks away from my wife's delivery. So, I went home, and we had talked about it. And uh, I didn't go back. Wow. I didn't go back. It would have been, I don't, I don't, it wouldn't, I can't say it would have been hard to go back. To go back uh, down to the minors?
0: If my wife, if we were having a kid, I would have done it. Really? Yeah. Because you were confident you would be back up. Well, as hard as I worked, yeah. Yeah. And, and as well, good as I performed. felt. Yeah. Enjoying talking it over with Andy Van Hope you are enjoying listening to it as well. And James Carlton of the State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves is one of the people who makes it possible. His number is 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. So my background on James Carlton is he reached out to me and said he wanted to advertise on the podcast. I'm like, that's great. In my business, that's what you want. That's the name of the game but I'm also conscious of making sure that I'm doing business with people who I know when I'm talking about them, I'm not vouching for a company or someone who isn't going to take care of the people who I'm referring to. And so I've gotten a chance to know James. And now I'm at a point where when I have an insurance question, it's a text and it's an instantaneous answer and it's a different world than what I'm used to. And you know what? That means a lot because you're talking about your biggest investments. You're talking about home. You're talking about cars. uh, You're talking about life insurance. 90% of homeowners in Missouri escrow their premium with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for. So call James today to protect your biggest asset. 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. If you're in front of your computer while you're listening to this, go to carltoninsurance.net right now and just get a quote to see what the good word is. And here's the thing. And this is, listen, if I was going to go, okay, you're going to have to meet with them five times and fill out a bunch of paperwork, I'd be like, yep, uh, yeah, no. maybe you want to do it, but it's going to be miserable. They do all the work for you. And you're going to save money, and now you're going to be in business with somebody, I'm telling you, if you can buy stock on somebody, buy stock on James Carlton all day long. This guy is going to be around for a long time, and I can tell by the way he operates his business, he's the person you want to be in business with. 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. So it's over, and when it's over, what's that like watching? Well, it wasn't It wasn't over the way I want it to be over. So,
1: I again, I, I swallow this bitter pill, and I hold on to it for a long time. I blame... You know, I blame Tony. I blame.
0: Yeah, I felt like you were an outspoken. You were known like the 90s and I wasn't here yet. And I was still in school at Missouri, but I felt like, oh, yeah, Andy Vance likes on. He likes to rip LaRusso. That's what I felt like you were known as in the 90s. Exactly. And that wasn't fair. I mean, because I, it was rooted in personnel from. Well, 97-300. some of the things
1: I said, the fair, but some of the things I said were unfair. And that, it had to do with, you know, my animosity towards Tony, which was not correct. I admit that. Um he he mistreated me. I mean I, that's a fact. I I, I don't I, but I again um there were scenarios where I I want, I'm not gonna tell anybody but I I was disrespected and mistreated and I held on to that and that's not right. And so as soon as I got over that everything's fine.
0: So then you get back into the game but coaching.
1: Yeah. Coaching was good. 2006 Detroit Tigers. Yeah, we so, played. Or yeah, a, again, it was you know the interesting thing about that team was it was you got to remember they lost 115 games oh my two gosh, years it was an before. Of, disaster. What Trammell was the manager? Trammell right? was the manager, yeah. and so Jim Leland is is now the first year manager, and it's almost like going through the pirate situation all over again. To, to see this organization uh, totally make a, a 180 degree turn into something was really really interesting, and not only that, but do it from the outside, not as a player, but as a coach. Right. And so your perspective is it really changes. You learn a lot about the game. Um, you learn a lot about what's going on in the front office. You learn a lot about why managers do things the way they do. And it was a really good education for me about the whole perspective, the whole picture of baseball. Mm-hmm. We have very, very few people, even in the game, Get an opportunity to see the whole picture, and that's one of the things that even the media doesn't get a chance to see the whole oh, picture. No, we don't see, and anything. so when you don't see the whole picture, your prism is can't always be correct. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I mean, my my. And view so on that a lot of the criticism that either players or managers or, or GMS get is unfair. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I understand the media's got a job. I've always been highly respective of the media ha- having a job to do, but. Um, unless you have something to back up with your opinion, unless you, it's unequivocal,
0: keep it to yourself. The tough thing is, so too, the way I, I learned how I didn't know what the hell was going on, and of course I thought I did and now realize I didn't, was when Larusa wrote, or Buzz Bissinger, whoever wrote the book, uh, Three Nights in August. And I was down at the ballpark for the three nights in August. Right. When I was there, I was probably more tied in than most of the, the media outside of like a, a Rick Hummel or Derek Gould right. who was covering the team. And I read that book and I'm like, I had no idea about 95 percent of the things that were going on that led to decisions. Right. And so when I did the show with Edmonds and he would say, well, you know, it's tough to say because you really don't know unless you're inside the clubhouse and people get irritated. But the fact is, that's that's the truth. You know, because a good manager and good players are going to keep things inside the room that dictate what's going on. You know, it's just
1: like, you know, for some reason in our culture, we think we have the right to know everything. We don't. You have the right to think what you want to think or say what you want to, th- but you don't have the right to know everything. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't need to. I don't have the right to know what's going on outside the, the White House or the in the Trump administration. Or I don't have the right to know what's going on in the CIA. Who, who says? Where is that written in the Constitution? But we, we've come such a, a self righteous and, and, uh, and I have my rights culture. We think we have the right to know everything about everybody's lives inside or outside their job. We do not. Yeah. And when someone holds that close to their chest, then, we, then he, that person gets criticized unfairly. Yeah.
0: That's just the way, where we are. I uh, I look back on that two thousand six World Series and I remember going into it. You guys had swept the A's. If I don't remember, like Maglie Odonia had so a walk off. A yes, run. Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Yeah, to win the ALC. And we yet. sat around for,
1: for seven, seven days, and yes. that's why we lost. You believe that? No question. No question. Wow,
0: Unequivocally. I mean, everybody yes. was picking the Tigers. Cardinals weren't even supposed to beat the Padres in the first round. Exactly. If if we had, if the A's have
1: could have raised the their and gone the f- six games, let's just say six games, that would give us an opportunity to set up a rotation. Guys would have been on schedule. Um, Cardinals wouldn't have had a chance. Yeah, It means that much. When I mean, you play that long and then you shut down game speed, You, it's really hard to turn it back up game speed. Every Now everybody becomes a bench player the, right away. Yeah. I mean, what's the hardest thing to do in baseball? Come off the bench and hit, right? Hardest thing to do. Everybody was a, at that point was a bench player.
0: The thing that stands out about that World Series is all the E ones.
1: <laughs> we lost a game because we couldn't
0: feel we couldn't feel the the mound. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I think four of the five games, or the, yeah, it was five game World Series. Yeah. Right? four of the five games there was an E one. I mean, Orlando right. had issues. Right, they were all over the place, and that's nerves. Yeah, And that's, you know, I think part of that's nerves,
1: part of it's sitting around. I mean, it's all part of the equation. Again, unless, you, unless you're in that clubhouse and unless you're on a team, unless you play, unless you coach, you know how important it is to keep the competition going, keep that level of intensity going, keep those muscles uh, familiar with what you're trying to get accomplished. I mean, you can do all the PFP you want. You don't go with game speed. Yeah. You just don't.
0: Yeah. So the teams that you were on or coaching— three different organizations, three different World Series or NLCS experiences. And I'm curious which one you would say, yeah, that team was that was the best team I was associated I'd with. i take
1: my eighty five team eighty five team. And take my chances every season since I've since uh, I've been drafted in baseball. Wow. From nineteen seventy nine to up to today. Wow. And I don't care about exit velocity, I don't care about War, I don't care about all that silly stuff that they think is so important. You gotta, you gotta battle. The one thing that team never had a slump was speed, which will show up every night. Catch the ball, which I don't care what anybody says. You can take all your defensive statistics and stick them in your ear because you know whether you can catch the ball or not as a team. And the starting pitching we had was good enough. And we had, at that time, the best manager in the, in the game. Mm. Now, are we going to win every year? No, because in the cycle of careers, players have cycles of being good and bad. We saw it with Matt Carpenter this year. Mm. Matt Carpenter's not the player he was the first two months. And Matt Carpenter's not the player he, he is when he, he's gone through the you know that streak for two months. He's somewhere in between, right. which is where he is right now. Right. And so...
0: I'll take that 85 team, and I'll take my chances every year. The 2006 team, I think, set the stage for a lot of Cardinal fan mindset, maybe even ownership in front office, that, oh, even though it looks like it has no chance, you can see that as long as you get in, you can win the World Series. Well, that is the upside and downside of of a That's that's the thing. And I gave them in the 2004 Red Sox, and they were on their deathbeds, and then they get hot, and you saw what happened. They rattled off eight wins a row against the Yankees and Cardinals. Right. And then the 2011 team also kind of had that mathematical outlier of Mm -hmm. of suddenly getting hot and going on a run. I still, though, even with those two teams and doing a show during those two years, this one's turnaround, and who knows where it winds up. It might not even wind up in 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 a wild card spot or the playoffs. This team's turnaround in July... I mean, on July 31st, I, along I remember seeing on the MLB network, they were talking about the Cardinals being major sellers. And I was hoping they were just because I didn't see any chance that they could. Yeah,
1: but but who do you sell? Well, I remember I talked to to Mazalok that night. (laughs)
0: There's nobody to sell. Well, that's a matter of fact. I talked to Mazalok that night because I said, I want to get an idea of, uh, you know, what the thought process was because you traded FAM at 10 in the morning, 9.50 in the morning. We were still on the air. I'm like, wow, they're actually going to sell. And so I texted Mazzalek like around 10.30. I said, hey, on your way home, just so I can get an idea of what you guys were thinking. I didn't know if they were really in an Archer. You mm-hmm. know, We went to the Pirates. And he goes, you know, he goes, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to give the young players a chance to perform so we can analyze where we are in the offseason. It's not like he thought they were going to spin it around and, no. and go on this run either. So I said, well, did you ever think about like maybe trading Carpenter or Ozuna and just really rebuilding? And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I mean, if we can get hot, we can win. He goes, but we just want to see what players can do for right. the offseason. Right. So I couldn't have been more off on this, but I'm also stunned. It's not like a bunch of people said, "Yeah, I think the Cardinals can turn it around." Are you stunned observing what has transpired over the last? Well, month I'd and
1: be a half? Di- I'd be disingenuous to, to say no. Right. I'm I'm surprised as anybody. I'm not as surprised at a high level like a lot of people are, because I've seen it. You know, I've I've seen players uh, underperform for a very long time and then. Play at the level in which you expect him to play. I mean, there's no way Matt Carpenter is going to do what he did the rest of the year. At some point, he was going to start hitting. At some point, as soon as going to start hitting home runs that matter. I mean, track records, the book, here's there's an old saying in, in baseball you, you, you get that, that media guide every year that teams put out, and all you got to do is look at the book. The book will tell you everything you need to know about the player. If he's played in the big leagues a long, long enough period of time, there's a picture in the book. Statistically, I'm not you know I'm talking about the you know the, 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 the traditional things right. we used to rely on. That will tell you he'll be he's going to be somewhere within ten to twenty percent of what those numbers say. Right. And what you have is the outlier on this one is you don't know what the young players are going to do. Right. That's that was the, the thing. change. That was that the was the change. Yeah. And the the single greatest thing. I don't know. It's the greatest thing. The the biggest factor, I should say, that helped this team turn around was Dexter Fowler not playing. The, the, we everybody was looking for a reason for him not to play, but you have to play him because if you don't, you know you you are almost admitting that man it was just a terrible signing. It was a mistake, and I'm not saying Dexter Fowler can't get back to a, a level in which he played a couple of years ago. He, I mean, he did okay last year. Um, but if he had continued to, to be healthy, this team would not be in a
0: pennant race right now. Yeah, and it's amazing how that works out. I mean, it was a
1: that's again, addition by subtraction, and it's not personal. And, it, but and mean, here, not it's, only it's that, difficult. think about this: it wasn't even a decision to make you right or wrong. It's it's part of the equation with so much of the season you can't control. Anyways, no. you can't control. The only thing you can control is putting a guy in the lineup. You can't control how he's going to play. You're at the mercy of of how
0: he performs. I've said this before. It's an awkward thing. I have a rapport with him. I don't know if he would consider me a friend. I'm sure he certainly wouldn't uh, want me to say we are. But Isringhausen, great guy. But I'm not sure if the Cardinals win the World Series in 2006 if he doesn't get hurt. Exactly. Because Adam Wainwright went off and became a shutdown, lockdown, ninth inning guy. You know, That's fine. I, you can accept that. Yeah. I you mean, know. it's not personal. It's not at all. Washington's it's, the greatest, man. He's a great guy. I, I, kind of the same deal like with Salas and Mott in 2011. You know, Mott was not the closer in July. He became the closer. And went right. off. Carlos Martinez perhaps this year. Who knows? Right. You know? Um, you're friends with Mike Bethini, are you not? We're friendly. Okay. <laughs> respectfully I, friendly. Okay, respectfully friendly. Yeah. I, I'm... I don't. I mean, so many people understandably look at this and go, "Okay, well."
1: It's, it has, one has not nothing to do with the other. Really, it has part. It's it's not. Is it a factor? Yes. Is it a part of the equation? Yes. But this to, to make a direct correlation between Mike Matt, Mike being fired and Schultz being the manager, that it, that's hundred percent wrong. It's just part of the equation. Yeah. Just like Dexter Fowler's part of the equation. Just like the kid playing center field, part part of the equation. They they are a better club when he plays center field than somebody else right now. It's it's part of the equation that Matt Carpenter got hot.
0: Um, the roster,
1: the ro- turn, the, the roster turn. Yeah, I mean, I so mean, to you, me you, it's the huge yeah, element, you, but yes, it's
0: all part. So of the you equation. get fresh
1: blood, and you get you get guys that are hungry. Some of those guys that were playing before, I don't necessarily think they were. They they had too many appetizers. These guys now, um, they want to eat. Yeah, They want to eat. I have a lot of respect for the kid in center field. Bader. Bader, yeah. I mean, he comes from maybe one of the wealthiest families in the history of Major League Baseball. He doesn't need a nickel in his pocket. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's as wealthy as any, well, in the future. But he plays like... He plays like he's trying to make his high school team. Yeah, That's contagious stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you know that as a player, that you look at this guy, and you see the way he plays the game, and then Dexter Fowler, who's got $80 million, plays like he's bored. What does that do for a ball club? That energizes you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dexter Fowler's an anchor intellectually and emotionally and professionally. Not this kid. That stuff plays.
0: Yeah. I'm curious if you've had any chance to talk to Mike since he's been I uh, we've texted. That's about it. Yeah, I haven't talked to him. I wonder uh, what this is like for him
1: to watch this turnaround. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, if um, if he's like most human beings, I'm sure he's happy for the guys and for the ball club. And um, I just hope he doesn't take it personally as a as a reflection of the reason why they were bad. Because look at there's so many again. Um. If Matt Carpenter hits the first two months, they probably win, what, five? Yeah, I would say five games. I think five, yeah, five, games, seven games that. more. Right. You know, if you don't get all those blown saves early. Um, the Greg Holland debacle. The, if Holland doesn't get signed, maybe they win a few more games that way. If Dexter Fowler plays at the level in which you expect, they win, then again, you win a f- few more games there. Tommy Pham was a startling disappointment this year. He didn't perform— you sign a guy from Miami; he doesn't do anything the first two months of the season. That's all part of the equation. Mm-hmm. How, how does that? How does Mike control that? No, he, he, you're at the as a manager and a coach. You're at the mercy of how your players
0: perform. Well. And you did talk earlier though about the way that Leland and Whitey would communicate. Yeah, and I. I and if there's one thing that I feel like. Is consistent across the board is that people just felt like you know if, if Mike was like I did Mike was in here or he was on the show anyway we did the interview somewhere else and people were like oh my god that's Mike Matheny he was like a totally different guy we did the interview in January right and Matheny goes yeah I'm sure there's some people who are going to watch this or listen to this and go why aren't you this guy when you're at the podium after a game I think I, and I can't answer that only he can but whoever to- told him that
1: uh, he needed to act towards the media the way he he did as a manager in his career, I would say that's bad advice. Yeah, That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Now, he did it the way he wanted to do it. If he ever asked me, you know, how you should do it, I would give my opinion that it, it you have to change your prism about who the media are and what, what kind of job they have to do. And I understand the protection of the players and all that. You can talk to the media and still protect your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just never understood. I just never understood because that. you're really not talking to media. You're totally talking fans. to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with ripping a player. What's wrong with that? Yeah. You can do it. In, you can do it in, in a way that he gets the message and and yet satisfy the media and the fans that yeah. you know you don't want to give a player. I mean, if Dexter Fowler's not running the ball out, you know, or, or whoever, and you, you you give him, you know, well
0: maybe his leg. But when you start doing that, yeah. People can see through that. And I felt like when we saw Yachty or Molina criticizing him on Instagram. That was brutal. Yes. That that said to me, he doesn't respect his manager. And then when Molina showed up at the ballpark the next day and people said, well, you know, what did you and Mike have, you know, say about it? And he said, well, I haven't, I haven't talked to him yet. And I'm like, oh, God, you went to Instagram and you haven't even talked to the manager. Right. That just showed to me, not that I was offended by it, it just spoke to me that he doesn't respect him. And that, that, see, that
1: here's the, another thing, that, it's so much harder to manage in today's game than it used to be because of stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just really, really, really hard. Yeah. And I'll say this. Of all, all the things that's happened this year, the the most underspoken thing is about about the price in which this manager was bought at to, to, to manage this team for the next couple of years. It's ridiculous the amount of money he's making. How little. How little money he's making. I mean, when you put the full organization, the full responsibility on a manager, to have to deal with what we're talking about, I'm sorry. I mean, you you got college co- coaches in Division One A making more money than the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, and that's a joke. What
0: is that all about?
1: That's you're gonna have to talk to Mo about that because he can. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> well, I was surprised. And I'm not, I'm not. I'm not dissing Mo. I mean, he's gonna try to get a manager at the, at the cheapest price, at, at the best manager at the teap- cheapest price possible. And it's worked out, you know, it's come out roses for for the organization. But uh, gosh darn it, you know, for $700,000 a year and the job that managers have to do today, I mean, they're the face of the franchise. They're the only ones that take all the losses. They don't take the wins. Players, as a good manager, you give that to the players. You're, you're the spokesman for the organization. And you got to deal with, you know, 35, 40, 50 people every day, not just players, but trainers and media people right. and
0: coaches. And I'm sorry. Yeah, people <laughs> don't even think about it. But then you lay that out there like, yeah, comparatively speaking, that it's uh Joke. Because for the average person, seven hundred thousand dollars is a huge That's amount of money. The, but but I understand what you say relative to other sports and the responsibilities. It is super low yeah. relative yes. to that that element of it. Yes. Uh, let me ask you this. Go, look into your crystal ball. I mean, when Christmas. the
1: commissioner, the, when the commissioner in the NFL makes fifty million dollars, you're trying to tell me that the manager of the stainless <laughs> Cardinals can't make one? <laughs> what does the commissioner
0: do except screw things up? <laughs> I agree with that. It's going to get a lot of likes. Uh, <laughs> I look at the American League, and I'm like, any of those teams, I think at this point, would be favored against any of the teams in the National League. It's a weird deal, because you kind of have an idea of the five teams in the American League uh, as we record this, uh, which would be the Red Sox, Indians, Astros, Astros, Yankees. Indians Indians, are—Indians, Because they're in the AL Central, which is—what a a mess that is. Yeah. I mean, so in the National League— I mean, I feel like you could name any of the teams that are contending for a playoff spot and go, "Yeah, I guess they could win the National League pennant." I feel like it's wide open.
1: It what is. You, is so, okay, oh, yeah. there's, there's no diamond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, you might as well chalk it up right now. If if the Red Sox figure out the bullpen, it's, it's over. Yeah, they are so good. What do you love about the Red Sox? I mean, the line they can beat sick. you any different way. Yeah, if sales they can catch the ball. yeah. All right, they can steal base. They can hit. They can hit. obviously they can hit. They can run. Good starting pitching, Um, and I think mentally, um, psychologically, they're far above everybody else because of the
0: way they've won games this year. Hmm. Already a 100-win team with a couple weeks to go, as we sit here. Right. Uh, 104, right? What's that? 104. They've already won 104? I think it's 104. Really? I thought they just won 100 the other night. Gangster Pete's going to look that 101
1: up. 101, maybe? Maybe it's
0: 101. Either way. I mean, to have the 100-plus wins
1: already. When they when they won that game the other night scored six runs, it was ridiculous. It's something else to watch. And then you go, God, it's just... It's, never, Sandy it's, Leon, it's the catcher. one. It was like one and like 487... Scenario, that's the first time and that's the first time like the last five hundred games in the major leagues that's ever happened. Yeah. In that scenario, down by that many and come back and win. And win in that fashion.
0: Yeah, they're they're at a different level. But I mean the American League, look at that. What do you see that the Cardinals would have to do in order to actually get back there and maybe play the Red Sox for the third time in fourteen years? To get back to where? To get back to the World Series. What will
1: they have to do? Just keep playing like they did yeah. and hopefully get better defensively. Yeah. You just again um you know this. They, they the one thing they they've they been able to do, which I, I like, is they're little. They move guys more offensively. They're just not a softball team right now, and that's good. You know the other they want they they won a game the other day in the first inning after one out and a man on first. First pitch they hit and run. You know and they were already down by two. It was two nothing against. Uh, I boy I can't remember. It was just a little while ago, and I thought you know that's 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 baseball. Mm. You know, that, that's the, that's a, the manager telling his team that we, you know, we're just not going to sit around and lose this game. We're going to do whatever we can. And it keeps you in the game. That's another thing. D- just because you're not successful, at hit and run you, you know, it keeps the players on the bench in the game. Yeah. It keeps you as, as a player, you know, what am I, you know, mentally, it's just not you up, try to hit home run, go up, try to hit home run. Oh, you struck out, walk back. I mean, so, um, I, I just like the, uh, the rhythm and, and the, uh, there seems to be a different way of trying to win games now. Than it yeah, used it's to be. fun
0: to watch. I yeah, you, it was it's... not fun to watch here the last couple of years. Actually, I felt like it was the repeat of the 16 and 17 season, the first half of 18. So yeah, fun to watch. Uh, I've kept you, yeah, I think, for an hour and ten, hour and twenty minutes, and I—that's I a lot longer than when you told me when we were going to start. Because I told you it was going to be two hours. You did? I said that over at the gym the other day. You, you did? You're probably impressed by my planking that you—you—you you, you, you were caught off guard. I was. Were you really? I was pressed that you could make it ten seconds. <laughs> I can't. Though. That's the thing. It is unbelievable. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I maybe I need to get on that genetics now. Since since you're now the spokesperson. How old are you? What do you? What, how do, how old do I look to you? Uh, fourteen. <laughs> I'm 41 years old. But you're that's time. It's, 41 it, years old. Is it, it time to, to get on it then? It, oh yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. Do a live read if you want. I mean, you're in here. You might as well. I got boxes at home, so whatever you want. <laughs> Get hooked up. Andy, thank you so much for the time, sir.
1: It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know that. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And and and, and uh, we'll talk again, maybe postseason. How's that? Oh, I like that. Nice.
0: You want to come back? I thought you might be like, yeah, well, never. Don't bother the, you, me you, again well. you want a plank tip. <laughs> <laughs> Just pay me more next time. <laughs> yeah, that, that won't be tough. Thank you. All right. So there it is, our conversation with former Cardinal outfielder. Former pirate outfielder, former tiger first base coach, uh, and events like here on the Tim McKernan show. He's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna online at evergreenstl.com, and we broadcast from the home loan studios. Mark Hanna, Ryan Kelly, James Carlton, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, uh, are the sponsor of our social media clips. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at I-270 and the Washington Elizabeth exit online at Landoff.com 24-7. And by the way, I should note this, and I wanted to ask about it just so he could address it, because I know it's going to happen. People are going to see some of the social media clips, uh, and they're going to see Andy uh, wearing sunglasses, and they're going to go, oh, he thought he was too cool for school. Well, most people, when they come in here to do the podcast, they have no idea that we that we video them for the social media clips on our Twitter feeds at Tim McKernan, at Tim McKernan Show, at Inside STL uh, for the Cat Chat at Cat Chats, uh, and and then on the face on, on the Facebook fan page of uh, TMA TMA fan page, and then also on the Tim McKernan Show page, all these places, so they don't know it. Sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't know, you know, Andy just got done working out, and he's like, well, I got to wear glasses because these are prescriptions. So just for the record. It's not like he came in and, uh, was, was too cool for school. So I want that on the record, even though you probably have zero idea what I'm talking about or really don't care, but I feel like I need to say that. Um, I, I really, uh, you know, I always say it, but I, so I know it's repetitive, but I do want to say it. I enjoyed the, the, the deep dive into his career. Uh, some of the details on the 1985 game six, and then also, uh, 1992 NLCS game seven, um, and then also kind of on the state of the Cardinals right now, Mike Matheny in particular, I thought that was insightful. Um, Andy's very candid. I mean, as I said, it, toward the end of the interview, we're talking about his time with Tony La Russa and then how he would be on the radio and he would rip La Russa. And I think it did bother Tony. Um, and I think it's, you know classy on Andy's part to go, yeah, that that was a lot of that. He goes, some of the criticism was professional. Then, you know, that's justified. But when it's personal and it's because I was pissed the way things went, you know, I can be pissed about that stuff, but that doesn't mean I should then lend that self to then, you know, criticism because I don't like somebody and then cloak it as a professional criticism when it's reality. I'm not going to be a fan of his because of the way things went down in spring training in 97. So I enjoyed that element of it as well. Didn't even anticipate getting into that. Um, and, and the part that, uh, Tony thinks wasn't a fan of some of Whitey's former players, Coleman, uh, Ozzie and him with the exception of, of Willie McGee. So, um, always enjoy. I just, I I enjoy these things. Sometimes I I, will have them and I'm like, Oh God, I got to make sure I lock in. And then like two minutes in, I'm like, I love this. And I'm just going to sit here and just bullshit with people. So I hope you enjoy it as well. I always welcome the feedback. We welcome guest suggestions. I know this gangster, Pete and Iggy are working on guests left and right, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, people are busy and sometimes people just don't want to talk. Totally get it. If you have a guest suggestion, please try to keep it within the realm of reality. Um, you know, I just don't think president Trump's going to come into the studio or even uh, join us on the phone. I don't think president Obama is going to do that. um, Maybe I'm off the mark. Uh, President Clinton, I could see. I could see that one. I could see him being a fan. But, uh, you know, so if there are people that you'd like to hear from, send them along. And I might just politely say thank you for the recommendation, either not realistic or, you know, somebody who was recommending Carl Edwards, for example, uh, Columbia, Missouri guy, uh, you know, in in NASCAR. And and I said, listen, I know in, in that world he's huge, but the, the conversations— hopefully being interesting to the listener or the byproduct of the fact that I am interested in the guest. And so I'm engaged and it's nothing against Carl Edwards. Uh, I just don't know anything about it. And so I'd be essentially reading questions off of a piece of paper and it would be a terrible interview because I would be horrible at it. So, um, you try to find the two things that what's the audience going to be most interested in, and then what am I going to be engaged in? And then ideally it leads to a good interview. So, I mean, listen, Fire away. If I say say you don't like something, it's fine with me. Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com. I'd like to think that I respond to almost every single email I get. Uh, And Gangster Pete's getting us on a new email server, so sometimes I think I've been missing emails, which is really bad news when people want to advertise, and then I don't respond. That looks terrible. So hopefully uh, I'll be getting all my emails. So if you email, I welcome the feedback or questions for questions from the audience uh, at Team Recurrent at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, the expert.com. Thank you to James Carlton of Carlton Insurance Agency State Farm in Webster Groves. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. And thank you to Johnny Landoff and everybody at Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. For their support. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Andy Van Slyke for his time. And thank you to Iggy and Gangster Pete and Nick Yale for their production of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.